on his personal Facebook page. He said, God designed marriage. Then they said, police officers who work for us don't say offensive things like that. Hi, I'm Peyton Luke, and this is First Liberty Live. If this is your first time on our channel, I would like to give you a warm personal welcome. We talk about all kinds of things on First Liberty Live pertaining to religious liberty, as well as sharing stories of inspiring individuals that are standing for their faith. And if you're a regular, thank you so much because you truly make the difference and enable us to continue creating this content. And today, our special guest is Jacob Kersey, who's a former police officer forced to resign for posting a biblical view about marriage on his personal Facebook page. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Peyton. I'm excited to talk to you. Yes. So a few months ago, you probably never would have expected to be sitting here right now. Mm -hmm. You were fresh out of the police academy. You were on the police force for a couple months. And then just tell us what happened. Yeah, I was, I was a fresh boot, a fresh rookie, and really excited about uh, my dream job, a career in law enforcement. Uh, on January 2nd, I was off duty, and on my personal Facebook page, I posted somewhat of a paraphrase of Ephesians chapter 5, where I stated, God designed marriage, marriage refers to Christ and his bride, the church, and that's why there's no such thing as homosexual marriage. The following day, I received a phone call from my direct supervisor who told me that I would need to remove that post um, and if I didn't, I could be terminated for it. Uh, he cited separation of church and state as one of the reasons why I couldn't post things like that. Uh, I declined to do so, uh, informing him that these are my deeply held religious beliefs and values, and that I did this off duty. Um, I would not be able to remove it. Um, so I had phone calls with my command staff, um, and they told me to come in the following morning and turn in everything that belongs to the city. So on January 4th, I, I go in uh, after a sleepless night of wrestling whether I wanted to lose my job, my dream job over this. Yeah. And I go in on January 4th, uh, turn in everything, and I have a meeting with my command staff. Um, I, the chief of police was there and um, they gave me a second chance uh, telling me that I, you know, I, I could remove that post um, and come back to work um, wondering why I wanted to post things like that. Um, and when they realized that I wasn't going to budge and that I, I was going to stand my ground and not remove the post, my chief likened what I had said to the same thing as using the N-word. They informed me they were going to place me on administrative leave, and so I was, while they did an investigation to see if I violated any city policies or department regulations. Um, I was brought back in, told I had violated no city policy, no department regulation, However, they're gonna create a new department policy that would prohibit me from expressing my deeply held religious beliefs, even those expressed off duty. I was informed that while I could post Bible verses, um, I could not offer a quote, in offensive interpretation of scripture. And so given an ultimatum, uh, resign now or be fired later, I decided on January 17th to resign. So what was their fear that it would taint how you would be on the job as a first responder going to a domestic, doing a traffic stop? What was their concern? My command staff expressed uh, their concern about the liability um, and my police chief said he didn't want to have to deal with all the paperwork. Uh, they told me that it raises questions as to whether I can perform my job in a professional manner, whether I will treat all people with respect and do my job as a police officer which I think is absolutely absurd that 
I or any other person of faith would be questioned as to whether we can perform our job professionally and, and in, a, in a moral manner just because we have deeply held religious beliefs. And it's not going to stop at a small town police department in Georgia. These types of questions are being asked right now and are going to continue to be asked. And it's going to go beyond just police officers. Any public servant that has deeply held religious beliefs are going to be questioned, and they shouldn't be questioned, not, not in America. Mm -hmm. And I've heard you say before that because of your deeply held religious beliefs, you see that as an opportunity to treat people with inherent value and worth. So whenever you had a traffic stop or a domestic, how did you see those people, even if they maybe didn't believe the same that you did? Well, what happened wasn't me on, the, on a traffic stop trying to preach the gospel to someone. I wasn't at a domestic handing out gospel tracts. I was off-duty stating my religious beliefs. Um, my religious beliefs, uh, my belief in, in, in the Bible teaches me that every human being is created with inherent dig dignity, worth, and value. It doesn't matter whether you agree with me or not, whether you go to church or not, whether you're a Christian or not. I'm going to treat you with respect and, 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 and look at you as a person made in the image of God and knowing that he loves you. And th that's the way I treat everybody. And I think when you treat people of faith with the type of hostility that we see at the Port Wentworth Police Department, applicants are going to say, well, they're not going to respect my religious beliefs, so I'm not going to go into law enforcement. Well, th that's going to have an effect that maybe we won't see directly as far as how many applicants choose not to go into law enforcement, but we're going to see it indirectly. We're going to see more cases like what happened in Memphis or Minneapolis, because if you don't have a strong moral guide, a strong moral com compass, a standard of morality, how are you going to look at people? How are you going to treat people? Are you going to have the integrity that you need to have in a career in law enforcement? So that's really my concern right now is what message does the Port Wentworth Police Department's actions forcing me out? What message does that send to other people of faith? Mm -hmm. It's going to have a bunch of vacancies and then people of character aren't stepping into those other positions or people that have deeply held um, views. So what made you passionate about law enforcement? Tell me a little bit about your background and what inspired you to make this your career. I, I grew up in a broken home and um, my mom and dad never got married and there was a big custody battle. And I know a lot of kids these days have a similar story. Um, in my case, there was a lot of law enforcement involved in my life at a young age, and the law enforcement officers there, they didn't simply come and, you know, handle the call and then go back in service and, and go back and, and do whatever they wanted to do. A lot of these officers actually spent the time to come over and give me a fist bump, give me a pat on the back. This little boy who they might not ever see outside of that, that call, but yet they went above and beyond their call to encourage me because they, they saw me as a human being that had potential. We need more law enforcement officers like that, and those law enforcement officers had a huge impact on my life at a young age, and so when I was old enough, um, I went into law enforcement locally excited to serve and to follow in the footsteps of those who had a great impact on my life at a young age, and unfortunately, I didn't get to serve as, as long as I thought I would be able to. Your story has made national and international headlines. Um, what do you hope comes about from people hearing your story? Well, to fellow believers, to fellow Christians, I, I hope that they're encouraged to, to not bow down to the secular religion that says that the only viewpoint that is allowed in the public arena today is the popular secular worldview. Uh, they're being told that a biblical worldview is not acceptable 
outside of your church, outside of your home. Out, you know, do it privately, do it in the closet, but don't share it with anybody. So I hope to encourage fellow believers to not give in to that, but to, regardless of whether you agree with me, whether you're a Christian or not, I hope uh, you're encouraged to stand up for the First Amendment. You know, the ability to agree to disagree is on life support in this country. We, we can't do that anymore. It seems like those who preach tolerance practice dominance. They don't believe that we can agree to disagree. And that's what this nation was founded on. So I'm hoping that my messages in, encourages others to stand up for their First Amendment rights. We can't expect the First Amendment to get up off the table and fight for itself. We need we the people to stand up for it. And, and I hope the city of Port Wentworth will apologize for their actions. And I hope that they will ensure that they're going to commit to upholding their oath that they swore to protect and defend the Constitution and ensure that their officers have the right to practice their religion because if you can't speak about your religion, then you don't have religious freedom. And I know there must be so much that's been going through your mind these last few weeks. So much has happened. You didn't expect to be in this position at all. What are some of the things that you have learned within the last few weeks and what are some of the promises you're standing on? Yeah. Well, as a believer, I think God's been trying to teach me this for years, and, and really with this story, I've, I've kind of seen it, um, is that as a believer, I'm not to take whatever God gives me and hold it with a tight grip. I'm to hold everything that God gives me with an open hand. I think of like the analogy of an egg in your hand. Uh, it's a delicate thing, and if you hold it too tightly, it's going to crack, and then you're going to have a mess. And so whatever God gives you, hold it up with an open hand, knowing like as Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Whatever you do, um, do it all to his glory. Um, so that's what I've learned as a believer. As an American, I've learned that there are so many people, whether they agree with me or not, believe in the First Amendment and are shocked that it's not being protected anymore. It's just up there hanging on the wall for us to admire, but people aren't standing up for it um, as much as I, I wish they were. And so as an American, I'm learning that there are, are so many people out there, whether they are a Christian or not, um, will join in with me uh, for that idea of American freedom, First Amendment freedom. And, and so I'm excited about these um, lessons that I've learned, and I'm excited to, to continue sharing them uh, with my story. Is there anything else that you would like to add before I let you go? Well, uh, we've reached a point to where you really can't be neutral on these issues anymore. I never thought this would happen to me. There are so many people out there who are probably watching this. I used to be you. I was sitting at home watching these stories, hearing these stories, thinking, that's never going to happen to me. I feel bad for that guy or for that girl, but it's never going to happen to me. And then it did. You have really three choices. You can either be complacent, you can be complacent, or you can be courageous. You can just go along with the flow. You can change sides and start agreeing with them, or you can be courageous and stand up. Otherwise, really, you don't have any other option. You can't be neutral anymore. I hope we have more courageous individuals that will stand up for the right to agree to disagree in this nation. Well, thank you for your courage. Thank you for standing up for what you believe in and for just being a true inspiration to, I know, so many people that are going to be hearing your story. So, so thank you for that. Thank you so much, Peyton. Appreciate it. So now we want to look at the legal aspects of this case and just kind of walk through what it means for the First Amendment, the Free Exercise Clause, as well as free speech. So joining us today is Christine Pratt, who is counsel at First Liberty Institute. Well, welcome, Christine, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
Absolutely. Now I want to dive into the legal aspects. And currently, First Liberty recently sent a demand letter to the city of Port Wentworth. And so what are you asking for and what are you hoping comes from this letter? Yes. So we're asking for the police department in Wentworth to um, basically to fix what they've done. We want a public retraction. Uh, an apology would be great. They have put Jacob through the ringer um, for no good reason. They're violating the Constitution. Um, and we would like them to develop a policy that protects the constitutional right of its police force. So what did Jacob's supervisor tell him after he had posted this and he had been called into the office? What did they tell him? The supervisor took a really remarkable, I think it's a really fascinating approach to Jacob's um, views on traditional marriage. He told Jacob that it is as if he had exhibited racism, like extreme, like it, he told him, um, you know, it's as if you use the N-word in your post. Um, that that's That's offensive. It's completely incorrect. That's not true of Jacob or people who hold those views or express those views. Um, and so it just really goes to show you that there is the potential for um, a, a lawsuit that would allege religious hostility, um, suggesting that Jacob can't treat people with professionalism, with great respect, treating them like they deserve just because he has a view on traditional marriage is simply unwarranted. Um, it violates Jacob's uh, free exercise rights as well as his free speech rights. Now, I know we're not in law school, but I want to have an employment law one-on-one -on -one moment with you. Um, <laughs> so many employers do have expectations of how um, an employee will present themselves sometimes both on and off the job. But where is the line drawn when it comes to just professional decorum and representation when it cuts into being illegal and unconstitutional? Right. So in Jacob's case, he was a public employee. He worked for the government. And when you're looking at the speech of somebody who works for the government, um, courts will look to see whether that person's speech is private or public. Is that person speaking as a spokesperson for the government? Are they operating according to their official duties? Um, and, it, and it makes sense why courts would uh, distinguish between public and private speech. Because if you do have a police officer and he's wearing his uniform and he's knocking at your door and he starts expressing personal views in that kind of situation, um, the government rightly has a need to make sure that uh, it's it's you know officials are operating according to the government's official position. They're representing the government in that instance. Um, and instances of private speech, if you're a public employee, and this is really what uh, the Supreme Court helped resolve in the Coach Kennedy case. Coach Kennedy was a public um, school teacher, and uh, the football game was over, and he just wanted to kneel privately very quickly. Um, he was by himself. It was silent. And for a long time, it was, you know, we were mired in this debate where his school district and even other judges on the Ninth Circuit were very confused about the fact that, yes, a public employee, the Supreme Court finally resolved that question and said, when you're on your own time, especially, especially when you're not operating according to your official duties, you certainly, you are a person. <laughs> you have uh, you, you're a complex person. You you might have religious beliefs. You you have uh, different perspectives, and you don't have to um, cut those things off, unhide them, because that's an important part of who you are as a person. Um, so I hope that answers your question. But for for public employees, 
um, particularly when they're engaging in private speech, they have the right to free speech just like you and I do as normal citizens. And what rights does an employee have based on the free exercise clause of the First Amendment and the Civil Rights Act? Well, ooh, so that, that could be a long list <laughs> for a lot of different contexts. Um, but certainly, um, you know, the Supreme Court has made very clear that the government especially may not like exhibit hostility toward religious exercise. And it's just kind of, I think it's kind of sad <laughs> that we have to be in this place to clarify um, that people shouldn't be persecuted for their religious beliefs, especially by the government. Yeah. Um, but, you know, here we are. Uh, it, it's it's just the, the nature of things. Um, but, you know, the free exercise protects people so that, you know, it's just a very, very important part of who we are. Um, and the founders, when they, you know, when they wrote the First Amendment, they believed that religious exercise was going to be good for all of society. It, they, they understood, um, and there, there were people of different beliefs. It wasn't just like one type of religious exercise, but they realized that when you have all of these divergent beliefs, when you have people asking themselves uh, the big questions, asking themselves how to live a moral good life, that is really good for society. That's not something, um, I don't think you can like effectively suppress it, right? That's why governments ultimately fall. Um, but it's also something that shouldn't be suppressed because we want a flourishing, healthy society. And the exercise of religion is one of those key things about like just being human, being a healthy, successful, flourishing human. So not to get all philosophical, but uh, that, that's why we have the free exercise clause. Awesome. Thank you. And so what are the next steps for Jacob's case? Currently, all options are on the table. We're waiting for the police department. We're going to give them, you know, we're giving them a fair shot. We want to give them the chance to do the right thing, um, to read our letter and really consider the fact this this is not hard. <laughs> this is uh, pretty easy. We're not asking for, uh, you know, we're not pushing the envelope in any way. This is very easy, well settled constitutional law. And so I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that uh, somebody in leadership there will read it and really understand, or at least talk to a lawyer, any lawyer. You can get, get a guy off the street uh, because it's very clear um, that Jacob's constitutional rights were violated here. And um, we, you know, we just want to see the, the police department do the right thing. What would you say to someone who might be watching or hearing this and find they find themselves in a similar situation as Jacob? And should I speak up? Should I not say anything? Am I going to lose my job? What would you say to that person to give them hope? Well, you know, first of all, I would I would counsel them to pray first. Um, I have seen in you know my life so far, I've seen several approaches and I have seen people make inroads without it ever coming to like a difficult, crazy. It is not this kind of conflict is actually pretty rare. So I would encourage someone to do what is right. We don't want to um, betray the truth or water down the truth. We want to be honest with those around us about what is true and good and lovely because truth and beauty have this relationship to each other. So what is true and good will, will come out and be evidently beautiful. Um, but the other thing is that you, you know, give God a chance, give God a chance to change the culture around you because the only way that we can change the culture is for somebody to be awkward, <laughs> to, to stand up 
and to stop the flow. That's why I say awkward, right? You want to stop the flow of what's happening around you. And it's going to feel awkward at first. Um, but God will be with you and, and, you know, goodness and truth will be with you. And you, that's, that's how we, um, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about politics. We focus on our leaders and those, those decisions are important. Elections are important. The most important thing are, is like being um, exactly who God created us to be and the communities that we're placed in. And that's ultimately how we will save America. I, I mean, that's not an overstatement. That's literally how we um, will make our country a good, healthy, flourishing place. So definitely take a stand, but, you know, expect God to help you, expect it to work out. And, um, you know, call me if you have, <laughs> call me if it gets tough, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they can go to our website <laughs> and um, we would love to hear from them and, and just, you know, walk alongside them because that's, that's what, you know, I'm honored that I get to walk alongside people like Jacob um, and many, many others who are just trying to fulfill their calling um, in life. And ultimately, you know, they're the salt of this earth. They're, they're, they're like what's precious and they're preserving um, be very beautiful, important values. Christine, is there anything else that you would like to add before I let you go? Um, I would just say it's an honor. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. And um, I really hope that you know, through all of this important work, we can reach a place in our country where we can trust each other. I, I would, you know, hope even for those we don't agree with, I'm really like hoping that we can come together so that people understand that if someone disagrees with your personal choices about marriage, that that person can still treat you professionally, responsibly, just like they're supposed to. Um, and at the end of the day, we can all, you know, become more unified as a country. Well, thank you so much for your time, Christine, and thank you for your efforts on this case. And I know it's going to influence so many people that hear Jacob's story. And, you know, thank you for also just unpacking for us all those parts of employment law and just your heart in this case. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you, Peyton. If you would like to find out more about the work of First Liberty Institute, you can find us at firstliberty.org. And if you find yourself or someone that you know in a similar situation to Jacob, you can reach out to us and go to get legal help. And if you would like to support us in the work and continuing to create this content, you can go to the big red donate button. First Liberty is your last line of defense and your greatest hope for victory.